This is Jim Wallace speaking to you about the soul of the nation. I saw three funerals last week. I went to two and watched the other one on television. I've never been to three funerals in one week before. But for me, they all had lessons and questions for America's future. I think the best funeral services are not only about the past, but they're about the future. I attended John McCain's funeral at the Washington National Cathedral, a place that I've been many times before. This time I sat in the North Balcony, which has a great view of the pulpits and the speakers, and a clear view of the South Transept, which became important that day as the place where all the senators sat together. I want to come back to that in a moment. First, I must confess, though, how hard it was for me to be there. I spent much of my early life as a student and young person trying to stop the war in Vietnam. That war devastated my generation, bitterly divided the nation, and destroyed the morality of American foreign policy. The Vietnam War was based on lies, lies about why and how we got into the war, lies about the history of Vietnam and Indochina, lies about the chance of winning the war, and then such lethal lies about why we kept fighting it long after our leaders knew we couldn't win it. The numbers are in my heart, in my head to this day. The cost of lives was 58,000 Americans killed and 3.3 million Vietnamese killed, 153,000 more Americans, and countless Vietnamese seriously wounded and many maimed for life. And I want to testify to the untold numbers of people traumatized for the rest of their lives by the war in Vietnam. McCain fought that war and always defended it. He was shot down over Hanoi while bombing the city and its people, then held for five and a half years as a prisoner of war. Now, as many have testified, those years in prison as a POW seemed to have deepened his life and values. He did refuse the chance of early release to stay with his fellow prisoners, and his time serving seemed to give him a sense of purpose, maybe for the first time, bigger than himself. Those are things we all need to learn. But I also spent endless days trying to stop the war in Iraq and then dealing with the consequences of that war ever since. This was a war that John McCain also uncritically and unapologetically supported. And the war in Iraq, the Iraq war was also based on lies. Lies that killed so many people unnecessarily further destabilized the whole Middle East and ultimately has increased and not decreased the scope and danger of terrorism in our world. The war ultimately failed as many of us faith leaders tried to warn that it would. 
Many of the tributes to John McCain at the funeral pointed to the, many of the tributes, many of the tributes to John McCain at his funeral service pointed to the several times that McCain admitted and apologized for his mistakes, which is indeed truly admirable. Many of the tributes to John McCain at his funeral service pointed to the several times that McCain admitted and apologized for his mistakes, which is true and admirable. But John McCain never apologized for being wrong about the two biggest mistakes in American foreign policy history. Never apologized. I needed to say that. That needing to be said, I was still moved by many of the tributes to John McCain. That needing to be said, I was still moved by many of the tributes to John McCain that were made at his impressive service. Many spoke of his independence, his willingness to speak to moral issues that he believed important, like torture, even against his own party and even presidents. John McCain believed torture was wrong, and he had been tortured. How he showed a willingness to work with the other senators across the aisle to find solutions. He liked that, even giving his now famous thumbs down against destroying the Affordable Care Act, saying this could be fixed without taking health care away from millions of people. I admired him for his ability to listen and even to learn from political adversaries, sometimes showing humor and humility when necessary, eager to learn his willingness to stand up for principles and values, his commitment to public service, even to the point of suffering, and perhaps mostly for wanting to put his country, something bigger than him, ahead of himself. All that was impressive to hear. But the dramatic power of the National Cathedral Service was the deep moral contrast made between the man John McCain was and the man Donald Trump isn't. It was a radical character comparison, and it was choreographed by McCain himself as he planned that service, dramatically lifted up by his daughter Megan's first tribute. The two presidents that defeated him were asked to speak, and Barack Obama pitted how the Barack Obama pitted the big ideas of America that he said McCain held to against how small the politics of this moment are. President George W. Bush, followed by imagining John McCain whispering over all our shoulders to say America is better than this. But given where I was sitting, I couldn't, but given where I was sitting, I couldn't help watching the senators during that two-and-a-half-hour service. They sat in a bipartisan way, given the seating chart that McCain had mandated. Because Trump was the unspoken name in the room, 
I wondered what would happen if the cathedral audience would have been asked to vote that day on the impeachment of Donald Trump based on the virtues and opposed to the vices named during the service. Of course, that wouldn't have been appropriate, but I wondered what they would do. And I think they would have voted to impeach Donald Trump. But then I wondered what those senators would do, whether two-thirds of them, which would be ultimately needed to convict of impeachment, would vote to do so. I don't think they would. I don't think they would. Because in the end, politics still tragically trumps all the values lifted up that day at John McCain's funeral in the National Cathedral. I fear that remains tragically true, even after more revelations this week from Bob. I fear that remains tragically true, even after more revelations this week from Bob Woodward's new book and this now famous anonymous op-ed in the New York Times by a senior official inside the Trump administration saying that Donald Trump is morally, mentally, and emotionally unfit to be the president of the United States. Therefore, the most dangerous historical combination of Trump's recklessness and the Congress's repeated unwillingness to do their constitutional job has put our country and the world in great peril. While John McCain's funeral service in the National Cathedral was very deeply serious and, I think, solemn about the nation's future, the more celebratory service for Aretha Franklin the day before was much more no 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 the more cele- the more celebratory service the more celebratory blah the more celebratory the more celebratory service for Aretha Franklin the day before really lifted me up of course being a detroit boy i had to watch the many hours of the funeral service for Aretha Franklin, remembered by the nation as the queen of soul. I grew up in Motown, where our lives were shaped by so many of the young artists who began singing in their African-American church choirs and eventually shaped the rest of American music. In what became an extraordinary going-home service in her father's home church, Everyone testified how the voice of Aretha rose above all the others of her generation and probably for many generations to come, and how she used music to sing to our very souls emotionally, spiritually, and politically. She did it all, from gospel, soul, rhythm and blues, jazz, even to opera. Since she died, the country has learned more of how her life and how the lyrics of her songs were the lyrics of a people determined to claim their place in this nation. Respect, R-E-S-P-C-T, is what Aretha Franklin asked for and demanded on behalf of all African Americans and all women and all of us 
who believe that being an American ought to mean something. What moved me throughout much of the day was the sense of history, a history of oppression and suffering and liberation, with the voices, hers and many other historical voices that were lifted up during that service, of the music and oratory that has led our nation to freedom, a freedom fight that is clearly still going on. The small man who was laid bare during the McCain service also made it into this service with his reaction to the news of Aretha's death. Donald Trump saying, she used to work for me. The response to Trump's comment produced not only many gems of prophetic criticism, but his personal and presidential smallness, in so many ways, was powerfully contrasted by how large the voice and legacy of Aretha Franklin was and will continue to be. I couldn't listen to Aretha's voice and those of all who came to speak and sing for her without putting it in the context of that history of freedom, that those who are politically in charge of America are now deliberately trying to roll back, even while a new generation of black lives are lifting up their voices now with their own power and determination. Keep singing was the strong message, but so was keep voting and keep organizing, and the voice of Aretha Franklin will help us to do all three. Keep singing was the strong message, but so was keep voting and keep organizing. And the voice of Aretha Franklin will help us keep doing all three. But while these two funerals were watched by millions of people, the third funeral I went to last week was for a personal friend a baseball umpire who I'd worked with for 22 seasons when I was a Little League baseball coach. Hundreds of people showed up to celebrate the life of Andre Presser, and the stories from one person after another became the real eulogy for a man who had made countless people feel loved and protected and cared for. I said that Andre was the umpire who loved everyone on the field, and showed it. Both of my own two baseball sons remember Andre well. Andre always asked me about them after they'd moved beyond Little League. And on that day, at his funeral, so many testified that Andre was the best coach and best mentor they had ever had, both on and off the field. He remembered, we remembered this most loving father and friend with many not being able to hold back their tears. During this week of funerals, I felt such gratitude for a great man, a great man like Andre Presser, who wouldn't be nationally recognized, but will be remembered by countless people as one who helped to shape and change so many lives. May we all live with that as our goal, to inspire and to serve those those that we encounter, regardless of the scale. This is Jim Wallace, speaking for the soul of the nation. God bless.